Welcome once again, Bears fans, to another edition of Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in again. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Bears underscore scat. And we've got another guest this week for the second, the second episode of Draft Month. Uh, Toby, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? I know you've been on before, but it's been a while. Yeah, I'm Toby. I'm another one of the Allery's Bar crew that's been as we said, spending probably way too much time and way too much money there cheering on the Bears, but what else are you going to do on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon, I suppose? So, yeah, I've been diving into the draft stuff. It's been kind of my one of my favorite things to do for, I don't know, the last 10, 10 15 years or so. I took a few years off because the Bears didn't have any first-round picks for such a long time, it felt like, but kind of diving really back into it this year and kind of doing my composite rankings and just kind of seeing where getting excited for draft day. Nice. I, I, I thought that I did a good job of organizing my thoughts around the draft, but Toby shared with us this giant Excel spreadsheet that he's got to keep track of everything and where he thinks everyone's going to go. So excited to get into it. And I know last week we did a run through of a lot of the top prospects with Chris, but Toby, just kind of curious, just based on all of the analysis you've done over this draft class, do you have any first thoughts about where you'd like to see the Bears go at, at number nine? Yeah, my strongest preference would be to try to find another trade down option. Just looking at where we're at in the in the draft class. Could you kind of have, I kind of call them the, the top elite, three elite defenders. You have Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson, and Will Anderson. If either one of them was there, of course, I'd run up and grab them right away. But after that, there's kind of this cluster of like six names I kind of have um, that I wouldn't be opposed to us taking at nine, but with so many of them, I'm not really like in love with any of them. So I'd be okay trading down a few spots and getting still getting one of those six names, assuming that three or so quarterbacks have, have gone ahead of them too. So kind of looking at Lucas Van Ness from Iowa, defensive end. That's a Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon, the top two cornerbacks in the draft. And then the top three offensive linemen. We talked a lot about them last week, I know. Peter Skronsky, Paris Johnson, and Broderick Jones. So they're kind of all pretty clustered together. So it's kind of like splitting hairs when you're looking at that. That's why a trade down would be great. So I, I think you guys were talking about last week how it'd be nice if four, the top four quarterbacks were all gone before we pick so we can drop someone down to us of good quality. But I'm actually of the opinion, I think my ideal situation is three of those quarterbacks are gone and the fourth guy is still hanging out there. And that's where you can get a team that might get a little desperate. Kind of reminds me of... Uh, the Bears a few years ago when uh, Fields dropped to 11 and uh, we moved up from 20 to 11. So we can get, I don't know who that team is right now, unfortunately, because it's kind of a, a, not a great selection in that teams, but a Washington or if New England really wants a year to Mac Jones or if the Aaron Rodgers trade falls through and the Jets want to move up and grab a quarterback, I think that's our, might be our best chance for a trade down is we can the, get the, the, the titans right the titans Titan, are, yeah titans are another one too they're at 11 that'd be a ideal partner because they only drop two spots so you would think two or three of those guys was, that i mentioned earlier would still be available um so that's kind of where i'm i'm going not the most exciting uh trade down options isn't usually the sexy thing to do but sometimes it's the best thing because we got a lot of holes on this team we need to fill so the more the more quantity the better so it's a great point about the quarterbacks. I hadn't thought of that, but I think you're right now that you say it. Yeah. If, if Will Levis or... Yeah, he's the most likely to fall from all the reports right now. 
Yeah, and I, cause I see you have him at, at number nine here. Yeah. Is that just where he ranks in terms of all prospects? Yeah, so I kind of I take a bunch of different websites that I trust, and I kind of average them all out, and that's kind of where his average is, is number nine. So that would be ideal if he's on their board for number nine, and other people think he's a top ten quarterback. So that could help help us out. So uh, Kuiper came out with his new mock draft today. Uh, and, um, he has the quarterbacks going one, two, three, four. Did you see that? Yeah. 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 He's been, he's been a big Will Levis supporter the whole time. I saw his updated rankings. He has like Levis number four overall. So listen to his podcast appearances. He's Levis is kind of his guy in a way. Like he likes Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and everything too, but he's been pounding the table pretty good for, for Levis. So take that for a grain of salt. For a while there, I thought they were going to go one, two, three, four. But looking at recent years, the quarterbacks have been kind of dropping lately. Like, there's always one that kind of falls through the cracks. Right. Like, he feels like, how the heck did he get to number 11 or whatever it was we got him at? He should have gone number two, probably. So sometimes that happens. People overthink. the They want to pull the trigger on the quarterback, and it's kind of one of them tends to fall, it seems like. Does he have the Cardinals trading down, Tom? I haven't seen this one. Uh, I'm pulling it up now. Uh, it's uh, my my computer is in in blank screen mode right now. Uh, but um, uh, you know the the big thing is is I, I just wanted to add on to what what Toby was saying there is uh, you know, this has never happened if 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 it. If it was to go one, two, three, four, that that's never happened in the yeah. history of the draft. Uh, mm-hmm. One, two, three has, uh, but it's uh, it's as Toby was saying, rare, mm-hmm. uh, you right. know. But at the same time, uh, we've never seen a uh, a run on quarterbacks like we have seen over the last twenty seasons. Um, where we've watched the evolution of the NFL become the passing, you know, the passing focused league that it is. And Bears fans know better than anybody, you got to have somebody behind center uh, to be successful. Yeah. And with that uh, rookie draft scale, that ch- the, the pay scale change in the last, whatever it's been, 10, 15 years or so, now they're, you want to maximize that five years rookie quarterback. Um, as your window to win, a lot of people are, are thinking nowadays. So if you can get your young quarterback like Trey Lance, and that's the ticket that didn't work out for the Niners necessarily, but that that's the new kind of thinking process. If you're the Titans or the Colts, like let's get a cheap quarterback and try to win now. Yeah, and you I, know that I looked it up, and uh, Kuiper did have the, he actually had the Titans trading from eleven to three with the Cardinals. So he had the uh, the uh, Panthers, Texans, Titans, and Colts all taking quarterbacks. That's how he sees it. What? And, and sometimes desperation just plays into this too. I'm just looking at the draft board. That's why, I mean, that's a big reason why Ryan Pace drafted Justin Fields, right? Because he knew he was about to get fired and he right. was like, if I can get a, a franchise quarterback in here, maybe I can save my job. Now, they completely screwed up his development, which led to them getting fired anyway. But just right. looking at the way the draft is kind of sitting, I, I think we know for sure the Panthers are taking a quarterback. You don't trade that much to draft anything else and the Colts are desperate and I think everybody is assuming they're also going to take a QB there just because Ballard's kind of in the same boat he's on the hot seat and then Vegas for sure with McDaniels I think he's 
not looking really good down there. So I think he'll try to to change the direction of that franchise. And then it's a question of, do we get one of these teams like Washington or Tennessee that people are, are maybe going to get fired if, if this year doesn't go their way or if they don't start showing progress? And just does that make them overvalue whatever quarterback they see because they think it's if they don't if they don't do something they're going to go seven and ten and that's going to be it for Ron Rivera or Vrabel or or any of these other teams that are kind of sitting in this mid first round yeah their desperation is our is our beauty we're going to call it you know that's what the Panthers is getting all that haul from them because they are sick of this uh veteran quarterback carousel with the uh Baker Mayfields and the Sam Darnolds of the world. They need to make a big move. So hopefully someone else has that same thought. Everybody's also been assuming the Texans are taking a quarterback at number two. I, I did see an interesting, I think it was in Sports Illustrated, it might have been Peter King or someone had a theory that what if they don't take a quarterback at number two? What if they take Will Anderson? I've heard some noise around this too. Because they have number 12 also. So if they're not in love with, the, say they're in love with C.J. Stroud and he goes number one and they don't want to, settle for Bryce Young, for lack of a better word, if that's their draft board, right? They could take Will Anderson and then take that number 12 pick and trade up into number nine, eight, seven somewhere and get a different quarterback for cheaper and get a stud defender for the next decade. And that's a possibility. I don't think that's going to happen, but I would love if it did because that would help us, I think. Well, and they just hired one of the best up-and-coming defensive coaches in the NFL, and Nico Ryan. So I'm sure he's sitting there banging the table for Will Anderson or whoever he thinks is the best defender in the draft, whether that's Tyree Wilson or Anderson or, or Carter. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if they don't draft a quarterback at two, they're, they're basically signing up for a third straight year where they're trying to be the worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the other thing too, is Caleb Williams, who's, uh, projected to be the number one quarterback in the draft next year is probably a better prospect than any of the quarterbacks this year, all yeah. things considered. So, so there's, been, there's been the top two guys, the North Carolina kid also from quarter, you know, that's going to give yeah. the Bears fans some, some flashbacks when you have to talk about North Carolina quarterbacks, but this guy's supposed to be the real deal. And most, that's, that's, is that Drake May? Is that his yeah, name? Yep, I think that's his name. Yep. So really? like, yeah. one of those two guys would go number one this year for sure but you don't want to risk like what if you end up winning five games and you're the number six pick and you don't get either one of them but i mean we got to remember the texans do have davis mills who single-handedly led the greatest comeback in texan <laughs> history and made all the bears fans at allery's just <laughs> jump up and down for joy. i don't know why you want to move on from that guy he seems like he's our he's our second favorite quarterback next to at the number one i think Right the now. look on the look on Cal McNair's face when that happened compared to the look <laughs> on all of our faces at the bar was, was just the most perfect perfect juxtaposition just because Cal McNair he, he has earned all of the bad things just based on how he's conducted himself and how he has uh run that franchise. So yeah, the the, the Davis Mills thing is going nowhere fast if, if you're actually trying to win, which maybe the Texans won't, but that's a tough sell, I think, if, if you're basically saying we're going to tank for the third consecutive year, especially because it hasn't worked the last two years. So it's, it's interesting to, to think about how, how that 
I mean, it's an interesting option. I just, I think that's a really, really tough sell for Nick Casario, who's going to be going into his third year as, as the Texans general manager. If you're saying this is the third year in a row where we're basically not trying to win. Yeah. And the only way that would happen is if they only had one quarterback that they loved. And if they were really that set on one quarterback, they probably would have traded with the Bears. They would have given us something to go from one to two. It would have made a pretty enticing offer if they were that much in love with one guy. So my guess is that they have two guys that they're okay with, so they didn't need to make a big move. So, Yeah, but it seems like all the recent noise has has Bryce Young going to the Panthers now. Is that what Kuiper has too, Tom? Uh, yes. Uh, he has, um, uh, he has right now Young going to the Panthers and Stroud going to the Texans. Uh, I still think, you know, we talked about this last week, I still think uh, Young is going to go at one. Um, just his accolades, uh, his accuracy level, every single talking head out there gushes about this guy. It, it all keeps coming back to, you know, his physical size. And it, when it comes right down to it, we've seen guys that were very successful in the NFL, even though they didn't fit the, the prototype size. Russell Wilson and uh, Drew Brees are the first ones that jump to that jump to mind, and I think that with how important the quarterback position is, that uh, it's you know you can't go and evaluate it uh, solely on well you know he's too short. Uh, so uh, I think I do think the Panthers stick with that, but. And I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if the Texans do pull something like that. However, I'm still going with with Kuyper on the, yeah, it's going to be back-to-back quarterbacks. This is a quarterback first league. I mean, think about it, guys. How many, how many times did you read that, oh, are the Bears going to go and trade fields away for, for Young or Stroud? And it was like... I know you. T- the opinion of you two were, were both along with me. Are you nuts? But um, you know that that was that was a pervading story for quite a while there. Yeah, and the biggest only argument that really made any sense was restart the rookie clock. So you have a five years instead of right. three years on the rookie deal. But it's you know what you have with fields, or you think you know what you have. You got a track record. These are taking a chance on Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. They may be elite or they might be Ryan Leaf like it's uh it's a roll of the dice when you're drafting so better to have the somewhat sure thing than start all over from scratch again well they, you know another another change that we've seen uh specifically over the last 10 years um and I I think in the last five uh the uh, a big factor has been Jalen Hurts and uh Patrick Mahomes uh and it, it, you know, those two, I, I, I love to joke uh, about Colin Fields next gen because I do really believe that. I do really believe those three guys are this new generation of quarterbacks that are going to become the, the top guys in the, in the league. And that's how Anthony Richardson ends up at the top of the draft board, even though when, when, it, when you get down to it, he has been a terrible thrower. His passing ability is like seriously in question. 
But um, you know, he's such a he's such a physical specimen. Uh, he he can play that because he he played it. You know, uh, uh, one of the bigger programs in in, in college. Um, that you know, teams are still like, yeah, you know, if we get the right coach with him. Uh, you know, we we could be looking at the at the next Mayhomes or the next Hertz or the next Field. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, Trey Lance coming out. Like, just the potentials there, but there's no track record just really to speak of. Um, Richardson Richardson has even less than Trey Lance did. I think Lance had at least had one decent season. Richardson had one bad season. Really, um, he was like six and six record. I think his completion percentage was fifty four percent completion, which is horrible for college I mean you can't you know, that's not gonna get much better right away so yeah it's 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 uh who's the smartest guy it's it's you know the Trubisky argument like I can I can coach this guy up type thing I even though he has no he has no track record I think I see something in him so well and compared to with Richardson compared to Richardson he was a he was Terry Bradshaw you know right. I mean uh it, it, the um it it was uh, a, a good point to bring up um, Trey Lance because uh, Trey Lance, I, I have to go back and look at the numbers, but I think in like five years, he's played like 15 football games. You know, he, he sat out the COVID year and then he got 15 or at North Dakota State. Right? <laughs> you, yeah. you know? Um, so he, yeah. he, he really hasn't played that much football in a long time. Uh, and it's like you said, you know, um, he, he, did, he did well, but he wasn't drafted because of how well he played quarterback. He was drafted because of the prospect of how well he can play quarterback and his, the, what he brought to the table as a athlete. Right. Especially with that Shanahan, the Shanahan rush, rush first kind of offense. He was seen to be the perfect fit for that, but it hasn't really materialized yet. I mean, I, I've seen, I, I said earlier that the consensus seems to be Bryce Young at number one, but I have still seen some rumblings that maybe Carolina will take Richardson. Um, I think that's unlikely, but maybe still a small percentage chance that that happens. And if that happens, with the Bears fans have to be rejoicing, right? Because anywhere he goes, he's <laughs> not playing. He's not playing next year, at least at least oh. not for the majority of the year. Yeah, we're getting the number one pick in the draft next year. We're, we're salivating. <laughs> yeah, I think yes. we're even. I mean, I don't think he's even going to see the field. Whoever team drafts Richardson, he should not see the field week one or year one. He needs to redshirt like people used to do, like Mahomes did his rookie season, right? So the best fit, I think, for Richardson would be Seattle at five or Detroit at six, and he can right. sit behind Geno Smith or uh, uh, God. his name now. Goff, yeah, because he's Jared Goff. That's why I forget his name, I suppose. Um, yeah, sit behind one of those guys for a year and coach him up. As if they throw him to the wolves, it's probably going to be pretty ugly. It will be very interesting to see if Richardson makes it uh, to Seattle, because um, I was uh, I work with a Seattle fan. He just recently moved here from the West Coast, uh, and um, he, you know, uh, he, he we were we were talking about Geno Smith and how he had a you know that very good resurgent year last year. But I mean, let's face facts: he is Geno Smith, and he's thirty three years old. 
So, um, you know, they, they do have to have something uh, loaded, uh, you know, ready to go. And Carroll, uh, whether you like him as a coach or not, has shown time and time again that he can coach up quarterbacks pretty much. Maybe the only person that's on par with him is, is Belichick. And what that does for him is that gives him that ability to bring in somebody as raw as Richardson and, you know, see an acceleration in his development that he probably wouldn't see with, you know, maybe a different team. Yeah, it'll be an interesting philosophy for those two teams. Do they want to win now? Because the NFC is wide open for the taking. Well, I mean, Philadelphia's kind of head, head and shoulders above everybody else, but there's a chance to make a playoff run on the NFC right now. So do you load up on top-notch defensive talent, or do you redshirt Anthony Richardson for a year? So we'll see what those philosophies look like on draft day. So, so you, um, what are you thinking uh, Poles does at nine? Um, do you well, think he I trades? Think, do you think he picks a player? Who do you think I he think picks? He's open, he's open for business, I think. If there's a trade, like I was saying, <laughs> that, cluster, that cluster of players there, there's, there's not much to differentiate them. So unless he, I mean, he might have a different opinion of those guys and he's in love with one of them and he's going to take them. But one thing I've learned about Paul uh, so far is that he doesn't stray from his board. Whatever it is, it's a free agency board or a draft board, best available player is who he's going to take taking the two defensive backs last year in the second round when everybody was screaming for receivers and all these kind of things. Like these are the, he said, I think he even said once about Kyler Gordon, they had like a first round grade on him and like they had no idea he'd be there for them in the second round. So they had to take him type, type thing. Um, and then free agency, we saw with that right tackle hole, but there was people out there that were getting paid. And he's like, I'm not Mike McGlinchey. You're not worth, I kind of use a draft analogy. You're not worth a first round pick. I'll pay you second round pick money. I'm not going to give you $29. I'll give you 17 or whatever it was. Um, I'm not going to budge on that. So I don't think he's just going to say, I need a right tackle. So I'm taking the best right tackle. If I don't think he's a top 10 right tackle, then, or, or left tackle, top 10 off assignment, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to reach just for the sake of reaching. Cause that's how you make career, you know, mistakes like setting sets you back five, 10 years. If you miss on these, on these top picks and stuff. Right. Absolutely. So I think I'll take the best, Best available player, so it depends on what that looks like. I think probably either, assuming those top three defenders are gone, Jalen Carter, Tyreek Wilson, and Will Anderson, if one of those slides to us, I grab them in a heartbeat, like I was saying. Otherwise, I think those top two corners, Christian Gonzalez, I think, has the size and length, more so the Witherspoon, so I think he might get the tiebreaker. But I've seen him going above us in a lot of mock drafts. I'm kind of looking more and more at Lucas Van Ness the more I look at him as just like that kind of freak athlete that, would be kind of exciting in the defense because these three offensive linemen, like I want to want one of them, but they all have questions. And if they're, if you're picking a top 10, usually the left tackle, like it's a slam dunk top five pick, but you know, like um, Laramie Tunsil until he had his controversy, he was like number one pick talk and uh, Penny Sewell uh, for the Lions, like he was talked about as a top five pick. So if they're still available at number nine, it's, there's usually some, flaws in their game and so it doesn't really excite me to grab one of them i'd be okay if we grab one because we have a huge need and i trust ryan pole's offensive line knowledge way more than mine as someone who's never played offensive line i wouldn't know really all the in and outs of it so if he likes one of these guys 
Um, I think Paris Johnson should get the tiebreaker based on the Bears criteria for the length and athleticism, but he's really inexperienced as well. He has one year left tackle, so that's a potential concern. Um, Skronsky and his everybody's world famous short arms that everybody's talking about it and stuff, but that's literally never been done, I suppose. So I don't know if that can be done or not. I I was uh, reading Dane Brugler's uh, Beast, which is his like comprehensive draft guide that came out yesterday. Yeah, and he doesn't even list Skaronski as a tackle. He has Skaronski listed as his number one guard. Yeah, they have a lot of a lot of people. It's like you see splits when you go to their website. Some of them only have him listed as a guard. Um, my kind of fear with Skaronski is I think he's overachieved. Like I love his work ethic and the fact that he's able to do all these things. Just sounds like by technique and by just knowing how to place his feet and everything. But I wonder, does that mean he's kind of capped out of what he can become? Like he's going to be a solid offensive lineman, but nothing, maybe not a world beater at left tackle type thing. So it's, it's the dangerous game of drafting for upside. I, I kind of said, I just, I'm kind of contradicting myself with the whole Anthony Richardson stuff with you can't just draft upside, but these guys have a little bit more track record than Richardson does. And that's also picking it number nine off tackle as opposed to number three at quarterback. It's also very different stakes. If, if the right tackle doesn't work out, you can figure something out. If your quarterback doesn't work out, you're fired basically. I wonder... Unless you're Ryan Pace, then you get an extra five years. <laughs> I, I wonder, and this is somebody we talked about on last week's episode, but I've been thinking about it a little bit more and just looking at your board here. You've got Darnell Wright at 24. Now, just the, the research that I've done on him makes it seem like he has the potential to be the best tackle in the draft. Now, it just seems that everybody has him slated as a right tackle. And it sounds like he's basically a plug-and-play guy could just step in at right tackle and, and be your starter there for six, seven, eight years. I'm wondering if you, you typically don't want to draft a guy like that at nine, but maybe you could accomplish both of the things that we're talking about where you could trade back into maybe the late teens, you could pick up, some additional draft picks, maybe even slide up in the second round, depending on how you package it so that you don't have as long of a, as big of a gap between picks. And then maybe you could take that right tackle with that. I mean, the bears have been looking for a right tackle since Fred Miller, right? <laughs> so it's been a, it's been a, a hole on the roster for a long time. And if you have somebody that could slide right in there and be really good right away and for a long time, I mean, that's the biggest hole on the roster right now. So I'm, I'm wondering if maybe there's a path there to kind of trade back one more time and address all of these things that we're talking about. Yeah, he'd definitely be a trade down a candidate there because he is right tackle. Like He played left tackle, I think, his junior year and was not good and then moved into right tackle and he all of a sudden became like a world beater and he just looks natural and some people just are that way, I guess. They can play a one position and not the other side of the line. Um, I did read one thing, or I was listening to Adam Hoge talk about that. He says that Darnell Wright's not good in a zone run game. Like, we, the Bears, use that uh, the outside zone running scheme. So that's my only question mark I have for Darnell Wright. If, that, if that's true, he may not be scheme dependent, which which is a thing. Like, that's that was Ryan um, Poles' argument for why we didn't sign um, the left tackle from the Chiefs, Orlando Brown. He said he wasn't didn't fit our scheme, so... That might cross him off our board. Smarter men than I will have to decide that, I guess. But um, if he 
he, he does seem like he checks a lot of boxes. He fits a need. Um, but yeah, you don't want to draft a right tackle only at number nine. That's kind of the whole thing with Skronsky, why you don't want to draft a guard potentially at number nine. Um, yeah. Well, I, I will say I, I, I saw some uh, stuff on this on Twitter today that was uh, a little bit surprised to see Kuiper's mock having Darnell Wright uh, slated there at nine. Um, I do think that that's a little high for him. I do think that is a little high for a right tackle, uh, especially when you have the the other guys. Um, I do think that the uh, the other three uh, are are rated. They're not, They're definitely rated above him, and I think they're more talented. If if it, just personally, if I have my druthers, uh, and as you said, Toby. Those top three D guys are gone. I think Paris Johnson is is what we do. Um, uh, we talked. To, uh, Jim and I have talked about him several times. Uh, his physical size and uh, speed is unbelievable. Um, and when it comes to left tackle on the line, the, you you want to have your most unbelievable physical prospect at that spot. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, they talk a lot about the right side being more of your, I think you were kind of illuminating to this, to more of your road grader guy. But you want, you want that uh, great feet and speed and long arms on that left side because that's where your primary best ends are and I think that it to me he he fits the he fits the bill best but one of the things I I wanted both of your take on is I think that polls is more approaching it as this is to the team uh, overall but specifically with the line I'm gonna draft I'm gonna get guys that I like their athleticism and then I'm going to figure out where to put them. What do you guys right, think? Yeah. yeah, just drop the five, get the five best guys you can find and then figure it out from there as, as opposed to like pigeonholing. I need a left guard and I'm just going to find a left guard type. That's, that does seem to be his philosophy. Yeah, I think so. And just look at the players that were drafted last year. And a, a lot of these were later round picks. So maybe you're not really worried about slotting them into a position right away as much when you're talking about people you're drafting in the fifth or sixth round but it seemed like they really did value versatility and that's true and the guys they signed too whether that was logan patrick uh kind of the way they sold that was that he could play anywhere on the inside of the line riley reef could play both tackle spots schofield they were able to move around and these weren't great players <laughs> because the bears were kind of shopping in, in the bargain section last offseason but it certainly seems like that was what they prioritized was versatility on the line. So I, I agree with kind of the concerns on right. You typically don't like drafting somebody that can only play one position unless you think he's been, maybe they think he's going to be a, a hall of fame, right tackle. Then it's worth it in the first round. So it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, it's, it's definitely a topic to debate over the next few weeks or, I mean, less than what, three weeks till the draft now, but None of us are offensive line experts, so it's all <laughs> depend on the the people in the Bears front office that are evaluating. Yeah, 
and I wouldn't rule out the going out and signing a veteran right tackle at some point too. Like you know, we got to remember we, we kind of found Riley Reef last summer. We found um, yeah, right, 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 right before camp, right? Right, yeah. There's a couple. There's I, I'm surprised you haven't signed someone. There's Isaiah Wynn is out there, and uh, Donovan Smith got cut by the Buccaneers, and we have thirty some million dollars in cap space still. So. I, I don't know if, you know, Polis has that in his back pocket too. Like, I don't need to draft a guy. I could go out and sign a plug, you know, just, it's just a place filler for a year, basically. So I don't, think I don't think he'll reach for desperation. If he's going to take a tackle at number nine, it's because he truly believes that they're a top 10 talent. So that's comforting though. He's not going to grab someone just to grab someone. And there might be guys that end up on the market too, because, there's all these different deadlines in the NFL where it's like, yeah. if you cut a guy after July 1st, then you don't owe him certain things. And everyone kind of knows that players are going to be released, but they haven't been officially released yet. So mm-hmm. I don't think the plan for right tackle is going to be rookie and Larry Borum and whatever else the cat drags. And I'm sure that they're planning to, to bring in a veteran, even if it is somebody that's like Riley Reef, who could be a little bit more serviceable, but isn't necessarily going to, you know, be a, your long-term plan, just more of a stopgap. Yeah. A couple of names in the second round, keep Ryan too. If we don't take a tackle in the first is Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse and Cody Mock, I think is how you pronounce it, from yeah. one of the Dakota schools. I can't remember. They both, a lot of things I read about is very similar to Skaronsky, like, they may not have the athleticism to stay at tackle. They may move to guard, especially mock. Um, but Bergeron probably more of a right tackle only. But if you're taking a guy like that in the second round, it's much less of a risk than if you're taking him at number nine. So I could see if we end up taking one of those defenders early, we might be able to circle back into the second round and try to hope one of those guys is available. But you're you're also it gets pretty thin pretty quickly at tackle. So you you got to strike in the first two rounds, I think, or it's. It, might not be pretty, or it might give the next Braxton Jones, I guess. We found him in the fifth round, so maybe Ryan Poles knows more than we do. Well, um, also, uh, I'm looking at your uh, at your rankings and uh, in, in your draft board here. Um, you did a really great job on these. Uh, one, one guy that um, just popped out, and I'm hearing his name a whole lot, Bijan Robinson. What's what, what's your what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think he's one of the top six players in the draft, probably from a lot of places. When you, when you look at someone that makes, they're actually doing the rank just purely on football talent. He's a special talent. He deserves to go on the top of the round, top of the draft. But he's a running back, and they just don't have the same um, value in, in the modern NFL anymore. If you look at the teams that win Super Bowls. They are teams that just like the. Chiefs just plug in the seventh round draft choice there and they can make it they can make it work. So for me, it feels like it's a luxury pick. I mean, it'd be exciting to see him and Fields back there for the Bears per se, but you have to have kind of everything else figured out first before you do that, I think. So like the Eagles at 10, I think would be the earliest I could see B. John Robinson going. I don't see them taking because they've never valued running backs that way, but they're also in a unique position where they have this bonus pick at number 10. They could say, hey, this guy could be the next Pro Bowl Hall of Fame running back, pair him with Jalen Hurts, take some hits off Hurts in the goal line and stuff, maybe run him in the ground for five years. Um, so I, I, the thought crossed my mind for the Bears to grab him at number nine. He's definitely the best skill player. Um, he's better than any receiver or tight end in the draft, but it just seems like a luxury for the Bears right now because you can get by with a 
running back by committee. But if you have the chance, like someone like the Eagles or um, even like, I guess the Seahawks or Lions, I guess could, they, they have some good young running backs already in those cities. So I see Philadelphia number 10 probably is the earliest for Bijan. Uh, yeah, I was, um, you, you mentioned uh, Detroit, uh, both McShay and Kuyper uh, picked, uh, picked Detroit for, for Bijan and, Actually, I, I think that's a really good fit, and I hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> did, they, did they pick him at five or at Detroit's later? At, at his, at, yeah, at 18. 18. Oh, yeah, yeah, later on the draft. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's that would be a really good fit for them simply because mm-hmm. he's more talented. Swift, you know, Swift you can't trust. And Montgomery, while we, we all love Montgomery, we also know what his limitations are. Right. Yeah. But I'd be surprised if they would spend money on Montgomery if they were really looking at upgrade at running back in the draft. But if he's there at 18 and they say, we can't, you know, we can't turn him down, I, that's definitely a possibility. But running back is a pretty loaded. The other thing that hurts B. John Robinson's stock, stock is how loaded the running back class is this year. Like in the third and fourth round, you can get some good running backs, and that's kind of the, the value of the NFL nowadays. Like we don't want to, you know, we want some guys you can use up for five years and then send them on their way, basically, and stuff. So you can find all sorts of different running backs, more of the scat backs, more of the power backs, and get them in the third or fourth round. So that's or fourth or fifth round, probably even. That's where I see the Bears taking maybe some one of those one of those fourth round picks. Get some other. Get I would like to get more of a dynamic um, third down back, pass catching kind of the, the speedster. So I think we have some of the main or our two main guys are there, but we need something that extra juice in it, kind of the Tariq Cohen type role that we we've lost since he's been gone. So I could see something like that, and the more likely for the Bears than Bijan himself. What do you think about um, a name that keeps popping up? Uh, with the Bears, associated with the Bears, as far as running back is Zach Charbonnet. What, what, what's your take on him? He, what I've read about him, I haven't watched a lot of his games or anything, but from what I read, he, what I read on paper reminds me of David Montgomery. Like, he's just a good running back, not great at anything. So it's just kind of like replacing what we just lost. So it doesn't really excite me in the second round where most people are having him go to the end of the second, top of the third. So I mean, if he was there in the fourth and we took him, I, I wouldn't complain about it. But I think we have bigger needs to get, we need to get those offensive defensive lines fixed first. I don't think he's a significant upgrade over Dante Foreman and Khalil Herbert. So that's a little, he's a little too pricey for, for my, my blood. Do you guys both uh, think that Deontay Foreman is an upgrade over Montgomery? Or about in some the same? Way, in, in some, like he has more. I was reading some of like the long his longest rushes compared to Montgomery's. He has a lot more long speed. Not, he's not a, a burner by any means, but he does have more juice than Montgomery does because he really didn't offer much. He's not going to bust that thirty yard run very often. Montgomery wasn't. Um, I think the little things Montgomery's probably better at, like some of the pass blocking type things. But for the money we paid Foreman, I think it's a, a, a lateral move, maybe slightly better in some areas and slightly worse in others. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I don't really think anybody's going to notice all that much. Um, <laughs> I think both both are nice players, and the Bears got the cheaper option, which at running back, if you can save money there, you want to. Is, um, Tony, is, that, that? is that Montgomery? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So if you have Kalijah Kansi at 25, and Chris brought him up last week too, and I mentioned that Dave Wanstead loves him. Now Wanstead's a, a pit guy, so I think there's some bias there, but I was reading Sam Monson's mock draft, and he had Clamp, uh, Kansi going to the Bears at nine, which is wow. the best I had seen him drafted. And uh, by all accounts, he's the second best three technique in the draft, obviously behind Jalen Carter. But I hadn't seen him up that high in anybody else that I've read. So I was just curious what you know about him and if we could maybe expand on his profile a little bit more than we did last week. Yeah, I've seen him sneaking in the late first round more and more. I have not seen him sneaking the top half of the first round like, like that. Um, you just mentioned um his his, his size he kind of reminds me a little bit of the talk about him is very much similar to, to bryce young he's just not big uh more length or height wise and stuff so that's the one thing that holds him back the the production's there um he draw and he gets compared to aaron donald a lot because he went to pittsburgh and aaron donald was undersized height wise um but has the long arms and clyde jacansi from what i've read doesn't have that same length in the long arms so i don't see a team like the bears reaching for him because the way we, they talk about that, how they value the length and the measurables. So he's, that's going to be a, a ding in Clyde Jacansi, but someone will get a good rotational uh, defensive tackle, if nothing else, I think. Um, so like a team like the Eagles at the end of the first round to slide him in there. Like if they keep this adding more and more depth to their defensive line. Um, so that's, that's the main thing is his, his size is his main uh, holding them back. Interesting, but I heard that he performed really well at the combine, like his actual athletic metrics when you're talking about speed and quickness were, were really good. So yeah, it's interesting to hear that he's a little bit of a smaller, but yeah, I'm just looking at it right now, 280. Um, okay. You have his height on there? Uh, I think he's 6'1". 6'1". Six, six, six six yeah. Yeah, so I think that's the fear is more as the, the height and the length of his arms than his... Uh, measurables or his speed sure one guy that uh, interests me is brian Breesy. what do you what do you think about him yeah from my heard of him he he was a top-notch child but he's had an injury prone issues and that's that scares a lot of people off obviously and one thing bears fans especially don't like drafting injury prone players it feels like we always find one of those guys so that's the kyle longs and the uh uh jenkins and all those kind of different uh injury prone players that we've had in the past. So he had coming out of high school, he was a top notch talent. He's got, when he's on the field, sounds like he's really good. Um, but that injury prone, this is going to scare people off from him. I totally thought you said Brian Greasy. as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another, uh, so uh, Kuiper at 53 uh, has us taking BJ Ojolari. Uh, defensive end from LSU. I am seeing his name get flipped around quite a bit uh, at that spot. Uh, we uh, all discussed last week uh, about the 44 pick uh, drop, cliff drop that he had that uh, that Poles is going to be dealing with. Do you, do you think that that 44 uh, that 44 gap stays there, or do you think it gets shortened? I think he's going to try to shorten if, if the right trade presents itself. Like I said, moving down in the first round and then picking up an extra second round pick would be great, or even an extra third round pick that gives him the ammunition to move up from 53 if you see somebody 
in the 40s that he likes and he wants to go up and get them. I, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Uh, that's a long time to be standing around and, and waiting, but um, it's kind of dependent on if you can get a dance partner that wants to make a trade. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, you, you want to make sure you're getting value, right? Like, you don't want to be giving away picks for, for a song. So it's just a matter of, I think, the, the thing that could really help the Bears is exactly what Toby brought up, is that if there's people there at number nine that teams really love and want to trade down for, there's not really that demand. I think it's just a, a harder ask. Yeah. You are... Uh, I wouldn't uh, be surprised to see him move up in the, from the 53 spot if he can package some of his day three picks. and give yeah. a, We have 10 picks. We have five picks on day three, I believe. So I wouldn't be opposed to him giving up some of those later picks to move up a few spots if he sees somebody that's kind of falling a little bit. So one of the uh, big questions going into the draft uh, obviously is going to generate a lot of controversy no matter who gets picked for it is receiver. Um, I, I think that uh, the three of us are probably a little bit cooler with it, uh, maybe have a little bit cooler heads uh, on that particular position than maybe the the, the general mass. Um, I, I, I certainly, uh, I am one that I don't want to see us take uh, in Jigba at uh, nine. Um, I, I don't, I don't think, I, I've read several spots that we, we don't have a Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson in this draft. I'm of that ilk. Is, is there is there a guy though that you like or, or would would you like Smith Jigba there? Not at number nine. That'd have to be another trade down. And even even trading down, I think there's other positions that would be a better value for us. Um, I like what we've done. Like we remade our wide receiver room with the DJ Moore acquisition. So kind of seeing how that plays out. I would almost like us more to look at maybe getting a slot kind of a speed guy, maybe a guy that offers punt return ability that we're kind of lacking. Um to kind of complete that um, uh, wide receiver room, kind of offering a wide range of different skill sets. So names I've been kind of keeping an eye on is Josh Downs in the second round uh, from North Carolina. He's got kind of more speed. He's undersized, more of a speed guy. He can offer punt return. 44, if he were to fall to like 53 or something, and he just kind of falls into our lap, I'd be hard-pressed to say no to that. I think in the third round is kind of where the best value. There's a lot of wide receivers I have with third-round grades and some that offer kind of that, Flexibility or uh, Nathaniel Dell from Houston, uh, Marvin Mims and Jaden Reed from Michigan State's been kind of a riser up into the third round. He's they're all undersized, so I think you can get them cheaper without having to spend the first round capital on a wide receiver. Um, get something that can kind of flush out the room a little bit better. That's where I'd rather see us looking at uh, at a uh, or even a uh, Trey Palmer in the fourth round too from Nebraska. The other name to kind of keep an eye on later. Nice. Um, so is there, is there, is there something that could happen at nine that would just be like, oh my God, I can't believe we did that. I mean, it's hard with the bears because there's, they've done that so many times. Been <laughs> upset about them. I mean, I guess it has to be someone that's just like way down my board. Like we took Anton Harrison and opposite tackle. He's like my fifth tackle. Like why would we take him over the other four guys? So It'd have to be more of a value. I don't know if there's any position that I would be. I mean, I guess B. John Robinson, I wouldn't be like, what? I don't know if we should be doing that, guys, but you're smarter than me, I suppose. It'd have to be more of a value thing that we're taking someone like way. We're taking Brian Brisey with all that injury prone 
um, concerns at number nine when we could have had him at 20 something if we traded down, I suppose. It's like the Shea McClellan draft pick, right? Like, uh, everyone's just trying to figure out who that even is. But I've had a bad history of um, being disappointed with the Bears. I remember back in the uh, Randy Moss trade, the Randy Moss draft, I was thinking, don't draft this Randy Moss kid. He's nothing but trouble. And we took Curtis. (laughs) And I was like, oh, good. We got a good, dependable running back instead of that troublemaker. And that worked out super well for us so I, I give you credit for still bringing that up <laughs> I, I, would not, I wouldn't tell anybody about that <laughs> that was before i did any draft research and i just was going off the media and stuff but i also remember um i wanted uh when kyle long got drafted i wanted the tight end from notre dame who the Bengals took and i'm tyler eford i think was his name like i yeah. wanted him for whatever reason he was one of the guys i wanted because we needed a tight end and yeah i wanted him first. too yeah, and then Kyle Long ended up being a pretty good, pretty good player. Probably better than Tyree for in the long run. They both were injury prone all the time. So I've learned to not try to be too disappointed because um, a lot of times I can be proven wrong. But yeah, I don't know if there's any position I would. It'd be more of this why are we taking this guy way down the draft board um, than any single position that would upset me. I guess safety would be a thing like why are we taking a safety at number nine? And there's not anyone that's in the top twenty. Yeah, the, um, I, I definitely uh, agree with you on on some of those. Um, I think that uh, I, I was I was a person that was surprised when we took Kyle Long. Uh, I mean, I was I was happy because we were taking an offensive lineman, but he was Kyle Long had that you know short career at a high level because uh, he came from community college and you know he had the one year at Oregon and that was it and it was like well yeah the I mean it, it could be good but I remember that most of the hype was just around the fact that he was Howie Long's kid you know and it was like okay uh that's good um and you know he I mean he he did have a good career for us other than the, uh, other than at the you know towards the end he, he just couldn't stay healthy Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is just injuries. Uh, you mentioned Brian Breesey, and I don't know too much about him, but I, I just don't want somebody with an injury history in college. I mean, sometimes it works out. Like, the Bears got Eddie Jackson in the fourth round because he had broken his leg. Right, if you get a discount, like of that. Yeah, and, <laughs> and okay, a, a broken leg is one thing. that That's kind of a free thing. I, I just hope they don't draft anybody that it's like, oh, this guy's got – chronic knee problems or back <laughs> problems. And as ridiculous as that sounds, it's it's all things we've heard with the Bears before. So absent that, I think I'm going to have a pretty open mind as long as they're not picking somebody like Toby said that he's got 65th on this list. Um, Toby, I asked this question to Chris last week and we got some, some interesting answers, but I, I would expect that in on day three, late in the draft, the Bears are going to draft a quarterback. Um, kind of in the late, you know, call, call it late seventh round, sixth round, just just more of a developmental guy that can come in and be the third string quarterback and maybe make his way up to a backup and, and become a serviceable NFL backup. So anybody that you have in, in the later rounds that you would be particularly excited about at quarterback? 
It, no, no one, no names really jump out at me. You guys talked, I think, last week about Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA. I think he's the one that kind of makes the most sense, trying to get something kind of more uh, a, a fit that could fit in, fill in in a pinch maybe for for Justin Fields, the more athleticism. But I feel like getting PJ Walker is kind of like our developmental quarterback. Like he's that's kind of where we're at with that. It's a big drop off once you get to the top. After you get top five, Hendon Hooker, like it's like there's not much there. Quarterback doesn't feel like this year so it it almost feels in a way like almost a waste of a pick for me um normally i'm the kind of guy that likes to draft or develop a quarterback every year but if you're taking one just to take one i wouldn't uh, wouldn't be doing that so again no uh no tanner morgan talk for me i'm not going to be quoting <laughs> his use what about what, what about tyson bajan <laughs> I, that's a name I, I do not know much about, but I'll do some <laughs> more research from Shepard there, I guess. I, I learned from reading Brugler that we were pronouncing his name wrong last week, so apparently uh-huh. it rhymes with agent, so all apologies okay. to him. <laughs> I'll be sure to forget that. <laughs> well, that... Unless we draft him. Then we'll have to learn it if we draft him. So, it, speaking along those lines, um, I, I thought that was a good point. Uh, you know, that if there's what positions are you looking at and saying, you know, it, it would be a, a, a good idea, but at the same time, um, you know, do we, do, we, do we take a quarterback in, in, round, in round five or round six when we could be taking – depth at corner or depth at receiver or another lineman uh, on either line. Um, you know, kind of w- what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'd be more looking at the, the uh, free agents picking up a quarterback that didn't get drafted as opposed to spending draft capital on someone that's probably never going to see the, we hope never sees the field. I mean, he's not going to be too exciting. Um, he's going to be in the practice squad. He's going to be running the, the practice team and stuff more often than not. So, you know, it's all about value. I think that's what Ryan Pauls does. If, it, if there's a good quarterback, I'm sure he'll take it, but I don't think he's just going to, I need to, you can find, there's a lot of those guys that just keep having jobs. There's always a Chase Daniel out there. You can go out and hire and get a backup quarterback if you need one. I, I think, uh, I mean, we do have Nathan Peterman selling on the roster too, I think. So there's always that. To fall back. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I would so much rather have Tyson Bajan than Nathan Peterman. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you think on it, Jim? I mean, you know, I, I was thinking that um, the same uh, along the same lines as as Toby. You know, uh, I, I've I've seen our you know thinking back to some of the drafts. It's like why you know why do we take that guy when we you know that's a position that almost there, there's almost no chance he sticks. I just think in the later rounds, you're you're looking for high ceiling and sometimes high ceiling. When when you're talking about the sixth and the seventh round, maybe there's some guy with a lot of talent, but also could completely bust out. And I think that's, I mean, go back and look at Treston Ebner last year. And I'm not saying that he's certain to be a complete bust, but he sure looked like it last year. But (laughs) he, he also has a lot of talent. It just didn't work out for him. And he looks completely lost out there. But I think when you're talking about sixth round picks, if you think that maybe there's a 10% chance that this guy could become a pro bowl player, and there's a 60% chance that he doesn't even make it out of camp, 
maybe you take that 10% because if you, if you hit on one of those guys, it's a huge addition to your roster. I mean, think about how we talk about Darnell Mooney, who was a fifth round pick and he's not Randy Moss, but he's a really good player and you got him in the fifth round and everybody views that as a victory. And I mean, say what you want about Ryan Pace. That's one thing that he was always pretty good at was finding those guys later in the draft. And for me, it felt like towards the end of his tenure, that was the the only thing people could really say positively about Ryan Pace was like, well, he does really well on day three. It's like, well, that's great. But that doesn't, you, you want that plus an ability to find quarterbacks and draft well in the first round. So I think, I think it's just the level of risk that you're willing to take. And I think that when you're talking about six round picks, you're kind of throwing darts. And if you have somebody that you think could really turn into something 10% of the time, like I said, maybe, you know, you get late enough in the draft that it's just, you might as well. We're the flyer. Yeah. And it's like, you know, look at look at all the offensive linemen we took late in the draft last year, and that worked out okay. Well, kind of, and it might still, right? It's tough to judge after one year, but one of them's already, one of them's already gone. One of them missed his entire year due to injury, and that happens later in the draft too. I mean, the guys are getting drafted at, at that stage for a reason, so I think it's just calculated risks and hoping that every other year you find somebody back there that maybe can contribute to your roster beyond just like kind of a, a bottom of the roster special teams guy. Toby, yeah, is there day three, one of your four picks on day three hits? That's a success. Whereas in your picks rounds one, two, and three, they need to be all starters or at least, you know, three out of four, as opposed to one out of four. It's just, you get, you get graded differently depending on where you're drafted. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, think about the way we talk about Braxton Jones. I mean, if Braxton Jones had been a first round pick and he played the way he did last year, people wouldn't have been all that happy. But the fact that he was out there and didn't look completely overmatched most of the time when you're talking about somebody you got in the fifth round, it's it's just a different way or it's a different lens that you're evaluating through. That's absolutely true. Is there a particular player that um, you'd like to see the Bears get? At number nine or just in general? Just in general. Um... I try not to fall in love with certain players because that just always breaks my heart when the Bears go and draft from the Packers <laughs> do. <laughs> so I just, yeah, position-wise, you know, I think there's some good value, like Isaiah, or I'm sorry, Keon White in the second round, Georgia Tech, he's, he oh, intrigues yeah. me a little bit like that. Emmanuel Forbes actually kind of intrigues me, but I don't know we'll have the position to get him. He's probably going to be late first, early second as a cornerback. He has six pick sixes in his college career. He just sounds really exciting once he gets the ball in his hands on an interception. So that kind of made me kind of have flashbacks of like a Devin Hester just breaking out and just making things happen out of nowhere type thing. Um, not in the return game, but in the defense game. But he's really sleeves like 180 pounds, I think, or maybe even smaller than that. Like either being in a Devonta Smith type things for him. So he'd be exciting to have, but I don't think we're going to get him because he's had to fall really far to us. Um, but that's kind of like something like exciting players like that is kind of do something unique that no one else does are kind of exciting. Nice. It sounds like this draft just in general is, is really strong at cornerback. And I, I just see that on your list too. It looks like you've got like 15 cornerbacks in your top 117. So that, that seems to be a pretty deep position. Um, 
we talked about this last week too, that cornerback has just been an area for, for the last two years that there's just been no depth on the bears roster at all at that position. And Jalen Johnson, I think is a really good player. I have high hopes for Kyler Gordon, but everybody else on the roster right now at corner is, is a depth guy or a special teams player. So I, I wouldn't be at all opposed if the bears went and got like three of these guys that you have in the top 100. I mean, they just need to build up that position because it's been really ugly there for the last couple of years, especially once injuries start to happen in the season, which they always do. Another name, uh, Sam Laporta, the tight end from Iowa, kind of intrigues me too. He's kind of the last of the top five tight ends. He could be available at the end of the second and the top of the third, and just the track record Iowa's had for pulling out tight ends lately. Um, and a lot of times they don't produce in college. Like you look at George Kittle's numbers, I'm not saying he's George Kittle by any means, but he didn't really do a ton for the Hawkeyes just because of the way their offense runs. Um, but he's had a lot of talent there. So I could see it's a loaded tight end class, so getting one of the tight ends would be exciting for me not to overspend and take one too high, but if Sam Laporta's there at the, give me the first pick in the third round or the end of the second round, I wouldn't uh, sneeze on that. Or a couple names in the fourth round too. Brent Strange is getting a lot of press right now for the Penn State. And Luke Schoonmaker just sounds like a tight end name. That kind of intrigues me. <laughs> yeah, Schoonmaker. Like this, I just try to see how long of a name on the back of his jersey that would look like. But Who is the first guy you said? Uh, Sam Laporta? No, sorry, the Penn State guy. Oh, uh, Brenton Strange. Yeah. Okay, I hadn't heard that name. Yeah, the last two weeks I've been hearing his name. I think Tommy Shea brought him up. Um, someone else brought him up too. Again, he's kind of similar to the Iowa tight end. Like, he didn't have a ton of production because of the way Penn State's offense ran. But the more you look at his measurables and his workouts and stuff, there's one thing about being a workout warrior and then just not producing on the field, and that's a question mark. But if you don't really get the chance because you're just called in the block all the time, Kind of like Darnell Washington for the Georgia tight end. He didn't have much reception in college, but they were, he's six foot eight and they wanted him to block. He was basically an extra tackle. But when you took him to the combine, he, he can catch. They just didn't utilize him that. So that's where you kind of have to do a little bit of projection. But you want to, it's one thing if you see him just flat out not even performing. Um, like uh, Jervon Dexter from Florida, he's a three technique defensive tackle, but he just like, from my heart, just like looks lost a lot of times. He has all the, he has all the talent in the world, but. He just doesn't put it together on the field, so that scares me. He's had chances. He can't He can't put it together as opposed to some of these guys on some of these offenses that just don't utilize that position. Um, that's where you can find a nice little bargain. What, um, what position, in your opinion, is the greatest need? Uh, I'd say defensive line in general. Probably, well, three techniques just because of our, our system. And also like a pass rusher, we just need to get some sacks on defense, I think, because you just look, people have all day to throw on us. Like we can have the best secondary <laughs> in the world out there, but you can't cover someone for 14 seconds. They're going to find somebody to get open. Right. And we've done a good job with the linebacker core, you know, right tackle looks like the biggest need, but I also recall that we were putting up 30, point, 30 points a game last year for a stretch of time there for the four or five weeks we were having a, very efficient offense with Justin Fields when he was really clicking with nothing around him, really just a bunch of nothing at wide receiver. So we've already upgraded to DJ Moore. We can get some good offensive alignment. I think we can make it work on offense. Um, so I think the defensive end, that's why I kind of, that's why I've been 
gravitating more and more to Lucas Van Ness because he just intrigues me. He can do a lot of different things. They can move him all over the defensive line. And he might even be able to play three technique there, I've heard some people say, because he's really played everywhere on the defensive read line. That too. And it, it's a big drop-off after after those there's a ton of defensive ends that could come on board. And a lot of those, because uh, I kind of have that defensive end linebacker category, those are kind of more three, four linebackers. So like Nolan Smith sounds really great, but he seems like he's more of a three, four guy than a four, three guy. And I just, the way we're, our defense, if you don't want to just eliminate people off your board, if they're really good, we should be able to make it work. But you also want to put a square peg in a round hole. Um, so we're kind of scheme um, limited on our defensive ends and our pass rushers. So finding some, some pass rush in the draft, and you're not going to find it in free agency. Those guys don't become available. So we're going to have to draft some some defensive ends and maybe getting some three techniques later in the draft. There's some guys in the fourth round that might be worth a shot. Carl Brooks and Jacqueline Roy. Um, I can see some three techniques later because I think we're in a bad position to get a three technique because they're all going to go in that late first, early second. So we're going to have to really make a move we want to get uh, Cancy, Breesy, or the guy from Northwestern that no one can say his name. <laughs> what, what are you guys' thoughts on three technique? I keep thinking that they're just going to run it back with Justin Jones for one more year. I don't think he's great, but I, I think he's okay, and I think he played decently last year, and Eberflus really likes him. Do you think that that's really as big of a position of need as people think or do you, would you prefer them to upgrade other spots on the line bring jones back for one more one more go this year and then maybe try to upgrade three technique with an early pick next year yeah i think jones is in the in the fold definitely for sure and i he was probably our best maybe our only nfl quality starter we had on the line last year so if he becomes your third or fourth best lineman as opposed to your best lineman it looks very very differently um so i i wouldn't be opposed to running it back with him and i think that's kind of like the plan that we don't have to take a three technique we don't have to trade up and get jalen carter we can let the board fall to us and if we find someone in the fourth round that we want to develop for a year behind justin jones we can try doing that um so i just want kind of start with the opposite line just give me four good linemen on defense and we'll figure out where they're going to play um later i suppose i am very i have a very strong gut feeling that we will specifically draft a three technique whatever that definition is to poles and eberflus i i that that's just a gut a gut feeling but i think bringing in billings already having jones uh those guys are you know they're good rotational pieces at nose, but that Pete that piece has been brought up again and again and again uh, in reference to to Eberflus, and I just feel like that will be a focal point, uh, and I, I would be surprised if it's not in the in say the first three uh, the first three picks. Hey, I remember that was the first move that they tried making last year is to go get Ogan Joby, and it just didn't work out with the physical the medicals. Like that was their big move they were trying to make last year. So it's definitely a point of emphasis for them. But again, you can't just if that doesn't work out, go to Plan B was what they did last year. So if you can get a def, uh, get one in the draft, great. If not, we'll go to Plan B. Would you? Uh, do you think that Carter or 
Anderson will be there. At nine? Yeah. I don't think, definitely not Anderson. There's no way I can't see him dropping out of the five. I think Carr's going to go five or six is my gut. Either Seattle or Detroit will take a chance on him. And Detroit just terrifies me if you put him next to Aiden Hutchinson for the next 10 years. Agreed. That's not going to be fun for, for me at all. Um, but those are teams that have potential to win now, and they can take a chance. They have pretty good locker rooms. I think Pete Carroll uh, is, has the likes to work with young people, young men, like he's from his college days, I think, and likes wants to coach them up and stuff. So I could see either of those teams giving him a chance. And go, the only way he gets to us at number nine is if he actually blows every one of his interviews and everybody doesn't want anything to do with him. So and in that case, if he's that much of a of a head case, then I don't see the Bears taking him. So I don't think he'll drop. I mean, Vegas at seven, Atlanta at eight, like hometown. He's from, you know, played for Georgia. How many jerseys would, would they sell in Atlanta with John Carter's there and stuff? So I can't picture him falling to us at nine. It's Ryan Pace could take him just to stick it to the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> could be. What uh, What's a player that, like, if they did uh, – out of out of the guys that have been mentioned commonly at nine, which one would like be the biggest surprise to you? Like, I, I'm pretty sure if if they took Smith and Jigba, I would like probably sit down hard because I'd be like, wow, that's a that's a shock with everything else we need. Even Robinson, but John Robinson, I while you know Jim and I have talked about it, and we both like that idea. I don't know about, you know, using nine on him again, just because I, I believe so firmly in drafting something for the trenches. Yeah, it would be a surprise there. Um, I mean, I guess like the Darnell Wright conversation we had earlier, that would be surprising. We just took a straight up uh, right tackle at number nine. That'd be kind of a surprise. Agreed. Uh, I was surprised to see that on, on the, on the mock draft today. So that's who Kuiper has been taking at nine. Yeah. But if you, I, one thing I learned about Kuiper over the years, he likes to do this where he likes to make a big splash and like have a big talking point. I remember a couple weeks, a couple of drafts ago, he had um, Will McDonald from Iowa State going in the top 10 out of nowhere. Yeah. He's a second round player. Now he's at the edge. And now I think on his current mock draft, he didn't have Will Anderson or, or Will, 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 Will McDonald. McDonald. Yeah, but McDonald in the first round at all. He like he had to make this, and he got it to show when was like talking to McShay about it, like oh, da da da. He's he's such an elite athlete and stuff. So I think he likes to throw at least one pick in there just to kind of have a talking point. So now all of Bears Twitter is going to be like retweeting this draft pick and what are we thinking about this guys? So I, that's one thing about Kuiper. I, I kind of think he kind of likes attention sometimes. <laughs> what? <laughs> why he's been on TV for the last forty years? <laughs> yeah, that's a he. He he definitely is a character, but I do. I enjoy reading him. I I certainly enjoy reading McShay too. Um, uh, I think uh, they they both do a good job, and I think that uh, you know it, it seems to me that uh, the consensus uh, will be. You know, uh, the the quarterbacks push everybody down, which, you know, as you guys were mentioning, that helps us. Uh, but, you know, what will be is one of my favorite things in the draft is when a team just takes a guy that's like, who is that guy? <laughs> you know, it's like, wait a oh, second. Like D- D-List Jones. <laughs> 
Right, right. Well, just, the, the Patriots took that lineman, like, was it? Strange, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I was going to bring up. Who is this guy? And there's always one curveball that we got to get thrown, and hopefully it's not the Bears that we're having to scramble and pull out our draft guys and find this guy from the fourth round that we took in the first round. <laughs> yeah, I tend to agree. I, I think that the risk of that at nine is pretty low. I think you uh, probably see that a little bit more in the second round, especially because the Bears have so many picks bunched right together. Mm-hmm. You, you can definitely see somebody talking themselves into, you know, hey, let's let's take a shot here. And we're going to take somebody from Ashland College at 56. <laughs> yeah, Ashland or Shepard. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, any... Um... Any uh, predictions, parting thoughts, uh, Toby? Oh, no, I'm just really excited for this time of year. It's always kind of like, feels like Christmas. We're getting new players. I, I kind of miss the old days of the draft was on Saturday and Sunday because I remember waking up on Saturday to watch the draft. It felt like kind of an exciting day and stuff. So It was Christmas. The, what's that? It was Christmas. Yeah, it felt like Christmas, right? We're getting new players and stuff. So I'm just excited. Like, Brian Poles has so far a pretty good track record, I think, of of his moves and he's not just making moves just to make moves. He seems like he's pretty calculated and pretty thoughtful and thinking about it. So trusting the process and not getting wrapped up when the guys that you want aren't, aren't picked. There's just, there's a lot of good players in this draft. There's not a lot of great players in this draft. So that's kind of like, just pick your flavor. I've heard the the strength of the draft is like pick 20 to 40. is kind of like the sweet spot, which we have no picks in that sweet spot. <laughs> I saw that too. Players and we're picking at like 13 or probably would be like a number 20 pick in a different draft and stuff. So, um, yeah, just trying to find some good players to plug in and we'll see what happens come fall. Nice. It's really exciting because there's like almost nothing they could really do that would surprise me. I mean, there's things that I would like less, which we just talked about. But if the Bears packaged a couple of their second round picks to trade up in the first round to get somebody, would I really be shocked? Like, if they traded up to get Jalen Carter, I don't know that I would be shocked, right? Like, if they trade down, I don't think I would really be shocked. And there's pretty much no position they could draft that would really shock me, like, within reason, right? Like, they're not going to draft a linebacker in in the top ten. But in terms of all the players that we've talked about, even Bijan wouldn't wouldn't surprise me just because that would be such a dynamic offense and – Ryan Poles has talked a lot about just you can never have too many weapons on your offense. So I, I just think there's so many different ways that it could go. And yeah, I just I, I would like to skip ahead for the next couple of weeks and just have all these questions answered. But <laughs> yeah, got plenty of plenty of more time to just speculate and we'll see. I mean, what, what I'm thinking on the 27th could be completely different than what I'm thinking now. So plenty of time to go. So but half the fun is just the anticipation because right, right now they're all the players are on the bears. We can see all the offensive alignment and defense alignment as potential bears. And then we actually pick one and we have to give up on all of the other ones. So enjoy the next couple of weeks of just dreaming big and we'll see what bears do. Yep. I agree. Well, um, that's uh, our show this week, Bears fans. Uh, thanks very much, Toby, for coming on. I'm sure we'll have you on again soon. And uh, we'll uh, we'll be watching out, and uh, we'll be back with another episode next week. Bear down. Yeah, bear down. Thanks, everyone.